equips you with every spiritual blessing. The writer Paul even goes further to say that we have everything for godliness. That is Christ dwelling in you. Now, how many of you believe that Christ dwells in you? If Christ dwells in you, you are no longer yours. He occupies the building. The thing about Christ occupies the building, he needs to evict you. Because you were in the building tearing up everything. Uh, (laughs) And so, and so he has given us these physical bodies and we have abused the physical body and Christ comes and dwells in it and says it's no longer yours because you don't know how to care for it. Therefore, he imputes his spirit into us. We become his. We are now his vessel. We 100% belong to Christ that dwells in us. And Christ is a gentle landlord. So he is running all of your character traits out of you and replacing them with his character traits so that you could take on his actions and not your actions. Thereby, it is a challenge because you have these memories of how you used to respond to the things of life. Therefore, you still think that you own your life when he already paid for your life and you belong to him. So we understand, and I'm saying all of this as before we get into the text so we can have a platform in which to stand. Because if you don't believe what God has already done, then you will keep falling for the tricks of everything that comes your way. God did not do all that he did so that you could be comfortable and do what you want to do. You lose all of the power. The power that he has placed in you does not operate unless it is operating in righteousness. So we have the power. The power for what? The power for everything. We are all powerful because Christ's power is in us. Thereby, thereby, that's, what, that's why Peter was able, while he was moving with God and functioning with God, his shadow was able to heal people because his actions were lined up with Christ. He had evicted himself from ownership of the vessel and allowed the power of God to flow through him. And we, 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 we sometimes build up stuff to block the flow of God. It's almost we're like beavers building dams in which the power of God will flow right through us, we will, but we'll allow sin that we like to stop us, stop the flow. Now, that would be okay, but I want to talk to you guys really quick about the sin that we don't even like and do. And that's called stealing. Most of you don't even like to steal. Pastor, I don't steal. Yeah, you do. And, and the reason why I'm saying that, you know, you don't go to the store and go in there and try and, and put something in your pocket. I'm talking about stealing the will. It is no longer your will, but thy will be done in your life, and you are applying your will when it's God's will. Therefore, you are stealing rights from God. Ooh, goodness. 
<laughs> and so, and so, and so, and so the flow. Somebody say flow. The flow, the power of God is meant to flow through you. And you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to work yourself up for the power of God. It should just be flowing through you. And, and we allow people, things, situations to get so deep in our mind that it causes us to tense up and take on our thought capacity and have the nerve to be mad at something when you don't even belong to you anymore and you let something bother you that somebody said or that something di somebody did. Am I talking to anybody tonight? And so, and so, and so, um, David says, he says, meditate on the word day and night. And, and, and the reason why David gives us this wisdom is because if you meditate on the word, and I'm not talking about, oh, get the scripture and just keep reading and reading and reading. No, you can just meditate on the word. Jesus is the word. Meditate on Jesus. Meditate on the Christ that dwells in you and talk yourself out of trying to be the boss of the vessel. Ah, uh, just a, what did the song say? Just a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> Tell him all about your troubles, right? And, to, <laughs> and, he, and he'll answer by and by, right? That song is true. But you focus on you and don't want to come out of you and don't even like you at the moment. Get, get so mad that you don't even like yourself and choose to stay there. Therefore, therefore, the flow, the flow. Somebody say the flow. So the flow of God is not flowing. The power, the flow of God is not flowing through you. But God, God purposely saves you so that he can flow through you. There's a whole lot of folks that was as messed up as you were that are waiting on you to flow. Because if you flow, then you'll flow, get them. See, when the river flows, anything that gets caught up in it will take it. And see, God says, let my spirit flow in you so I can take all the other ones and bring them into salvation. That's why he saved you. That's why he purchased you. Because he's a saver. And he wants you to uh, listen so he wants you so his power can flow through you amen all right now let's get in the word uh, romans chapter number 10 <laughs> verse number one verse number one paul is writing he is writing the letter, and he's, he's exiting chapter number nine as Israel has, re, has rejected God's justice um, and God's purpose. Israel is not, is not believing uh, in grace. It is not believing in faith. It is stuck in the law. The people of Israel, God's chosen ones, are in bondage in their own mind. And so Paul writes in chapter 10, speaking from a point of necessity for the Israelites 
who God wants to save. I want to say this right now is that there's a whole lot of people that God has chosen to save, but they are stuck in a system that only believers could get them out of. I want to know, can God count on you? All right. <clears throat> so Paul begins in verse number one. He, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll come back and we'll have a little fun and see what the Lord said. It says, brethren, my heart desires and prays to God for Israel. Is <coughs> Prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to what? Knowledge. Knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. We can stay right there and have a good time tonight because that's some deep stuff. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. Mm -hmm. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in the way. Not, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, that the Lord Jesus in the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you what? Will be saved. For with the heart one believes. Say I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved Amen. Now, is there a need for the gospel? Mm -hmm. So Paul writes to the chosen, the chosen of God. He, he's writing to them, and the first thing he does is he addresses that there was a desire in his prayer for them to be saved. Now, the thing about it is most of them thought they were already saved because of being an Israelite. The problem 
um, that they had is that they were still believing in the Old Testament law and Christ had already came. Thereby, thereby, Paul writes to them and says he wants them to be saved because they are missing the truth. And so he gives us a great analogy, but let's first look at what he's addressing. He's addressing salvation because that's a mission. He sees that people are in need of what? A savior. And and, And he's saying that there's, Righteousness is the key, but it's not righteousness of a law. It's righteousness of faith. In other words, you're going to have to believe that Jesus is in order to be saved. So he writes to them, and I believe he's speaking to us to help remind us that we got to keep on our radar. The number one objective in which Christ saves you is to please him by letting his spirit flow unto others, taking them the truth. Because if they don't get the truth, then how can they believe? The problem with the Israelites in this time is that they only had heard from the law. And they knew and understood the law. And there's a whole lot of people that, that we know that are still have the law in their mind. In other words, they believe that God is based on what they think he is, based on what they've learned. And they need a relationship. But they can't get a relationship because the examples that they have don't look nothing like Jesus. How can you be the relationship? How can they see Christ in you when you're living any old kind of way? And so Paul is emphasizing here that salvation should be the key. That when we wake up in the morning that we want to live righteous for God so that somebody can get saved through our life. Now, you might mess up because you don't care too much about you. But how many of you care about others that are in your life? Okay, let's go. Verse number two. He said they have a zeal for God. In other words, they look, they were excited about God, but had no knowledge of who he was. Outwardly praising, inwardly murmuring and complaining. Because they have no knowledge of who he is. If you understand that Christ is in you, and he dwells in you, you don't have nothing to complain about. You have the king of kings inside of you. Why complain? It's already worked out for you. I want to talk to the ones who believe that. 
Because if you have a reflection of who Christ is, and that's why God says, I, I have to get you out so that I can have all of you. And so then situations happen in your life that you don't like. And God says, I put you in this situation so I could change you. Because God's not going to leave you the way you are. You belong to him. So he says, even, he says, for I bear witness that you have zeal, but not according to the knowledge. Now, verse 3. Have not, somebody say submit. I want to deal with that because let's submission, when, when you submit, that is complete, completely humbling yourself. And submission, when you completely hum, humble yourself, to, uh, listen, a lot of us don't like being humble. And so submitting to God's will doesn't mean that everything is going to go great in your life. Submitting to God's will is, God, whatever you put before me, I trust you that you won't put more on me than I could bear. I believe your word is true and that if it's too much for me, you'll make a window of escape for me. And if, I, if it's too much of a heavy load, you said I could cast it back to you. Can you understand that God has put a system in place that will work for every believer if you believe? That took care of every situation that has come your way. And all you got to do is give it back to him. Why? Because it's his righteousness, not yours. It says for being ignorant of God's righteousness, not understanding God's righteousness, not knowing what God's righteousness looks like. God's righteousness, a lot of times you say, oh, yeah, I want the righteousness of God. Well, the righteousness of God takes denying you. Jesus says, in order to follow after Christ, you have to deny yourself. And the thing about yourself is you like pleasing you. And God's plan is not always to please you all the time. It will work out for great pleasure in the end, but sometimes you're going to have to go through some stuff that you don't like at all. Somebody say go through. I didn't say stop. That's the problem. We stop because of whatever we're going through, we stop right there in it and start complaining about it. Let me tell you about a flow breaker. Complaining will break up the flow of God every single time. It's all in numbers. They were crossing with Moses and they was just the moving. And Moses was taking them shortcuts too. And they was going with Moses. And then they didn't like it. And start complaining. Oh, you didn't took us out and took us up from Egypt. And now we're out here. And start complaining about it. And it stopped the flow of God. They stopped going where they were going and start dying. And so it breaks up the flow. Somebody say, humble yourself. Humble yourself. 
Submit to the will of God. He's up to something in your life. When? Right now. He has a plan. And it's better than your plan. It's exceedingly better than you could ever think or ask. Have you ever asked God to help you in a situation? And then you told God how to help you. Because we think we know. What, listen, we think we know what we like. We go to the store, oh, I like chocolate ice cream. See the box? Look good, got chocolate on it. But you don't know what's in the box. But you're happy because you got the box. God knows what's in the box. So no matter what it looks like to you, God knows what's in the box. He knows what's going to come out of the box and get into you, and he knows if it's going to help you or hurt you. But we don't know. Somebody say, God knows. He says, for them being ignorant. Ignorant. Ignorant, not knowing. We think we know it all. That we want to tell everybody else what to do and how to do it. Isn't it something how we grow up and become a Christian and graduate from preschool and we think we know it all? Because we, we, we have the answer. We want to tell somebody how they should be, how they shouldn't be. But God says, well, Paul says it this way. He says, we only know in part. When we get there with God, then we'll fully know. God wants us all to know that he's working in us. Go ahead and say he's doing it. It is not you. I know. Before, you couldn't get a prayer out. You was too scared, and now you can pray. It's not you. Oh, I couldn't sing before, but now I can. It's not you. Oh, yeah, I'm just serving. It's not you. It is the righteousness of God fully activated in you. And when you are doing something to glorify God, it is God himself working through you. It is you saying, Lord, you can have your way. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, I just want you to operate this vessel. I'm tired of messing up. I just want you to be glorified in my life. For it says, you have not, you have not submitted to the righteousness of God. I I want to pause right there. Um, Submitted to the righteousness of God. Uh, What does that mean? Submit it to God's way. Um, I want, is there anybody in here that's all in? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Has anybody in here said they was all in but slipped out? I, yeah, I think everybody could raise their hand, right? <laughs> we listen because because God God will allow you to slip, but you you coming back up again. So so he 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 gives us into he says submit to his righteousness. Now it's easy to submit to God's righteousness when it looks like blessings are flowing. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. But when trouble hit the house, you know that kind of trouble? When somebody brings trouble that know better and they shouldn't have done it, then all of a sudden you turn into God and you want to punish them. Am I talking to the right crowd? And that's the time that we need help submitting. Lord, help me. Because if you don't, I'm going to knock somebody out today. Anybody ever pray that prayer? See, most of you, see, you, no, don't raise your hand weak at me then. You, yeah, I know. Some of, you, some of you didn't pray the prayer and went and knocked somebody out. That God, that's why he says, I'm a very present help in the time of need. And the reason why you're about to go there is because you are now operating in a law of your own, which is called self-righteousness. And I didn't choose you to be self-righteous. I chose you so that my righteousness can show up when it's when it doesn't look like it's supposed to. And you got to give way to what I want rather than do what you want. How many of you need help? Okay, verse 4. Okay, so the law of righteousness, the law. Now, now check this out. Moses teaches the law. So, so the law, there was no one who could keep the law. So God said, I'm going to give you grace. So now we're under this new dispensation called grace. Right? And grace comes through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8. So God gives us this new law. It's called what? And grace comes through faith. So how many of you believe you got grace? Okay, so if you got grace, and you mess up, who's going to pick, who's going to clean it up? Grace. So you can't out grace. You are no longer under the law. Right? So everybody out there who thinks because, and I talk to people, uh, one guy told me I can't go to church because the church will burn down. He said, my life ain't right. I said, there's something in church living worse than you. Because everybody that come to church, listen, ain't coming for the right reason. I'm not talking about this church, y'all. 
Ephesians 2 and 8, it says, for, for what? For by grace you have been what? Through what? Through faith. So you have to believe it. Right? So grace comes in because you didn't deserve it. Grace comes in and covers everything so that you can believe. And if you don't believe it, you don't move. Because faith is the vehicle that God moves through. So faith and that and, and that not of what? So self, if self gets in it, it messes up everything. Say God's doing me. It don't have nothing to do with how smart you are, how many scriptures you memorize, how well you can sing on the praise team, how good you can usher, and how well you can put in that offering pot. Don't have nothing to do with it. Everything has to do with God. So who you going to keep your eyes on? What about when you're in trouble? How about when you're happy? No matter what. So, so, and that not of yourself, what? what it is the gift of God. So grace, when you got Christ, you got grace and faith so that he could flow. But if you don't believe it, you stop the flow. Because believing is seeing, that's faith. There's no movement that you've done without believing that you could do it. Therefore, you got to believe the power of God that's in you. If you believe it, it will move you. What you believe will dictate your behavior. Amen? Okay, verse 9. Okay, not, so I'm telling you, it's not self-righteousness. So it's not, it's not based on what you do. But, but James says it this way, faith without works is dead. Yeah, faith without works is dead, but not your works, God's works. Ah. What does that mean? That means God working through you so that you imitate. You are on one accord with God. His actions become your actions. God didn't slap you. You don't slap him. Uh, God didn't cuss you out. So don't you cuss nobody out. God wasn't gossiping your business. So don't gossip nobody. Oh, goodness, I want to talk about the, oh, the imitation. Righteousness. This is what God is up to. You have to understand, God did a whole lot for you. He's got a whole lot of your secrets covered up right about now. And 
Not a voice relief. Anyone should boast. Come on, verse 10. We are what? Okay, so everything about us that is good, it's him. And if it's not good, it's not him. Because everything God did was. <laughs> so when we produce the fruits of God, it is God producing them out of us. We are his workmanship. Let's go. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? What kind of work? Okay, so if it's not good, it's not Jesus. My, my question becomes, if you are not serving Jesus, then who are you serving? And so then you get mad at people and you call them devil worshipers. But you worship them too. <laughs> you ought to say, help me, Jesus. <laughs> You have to understand that if you believe and have the faith in God and understand that God is working on you, and if you trust him, trust him, trust him. How many of you trust God? How about when you're hurt and disappointed, can you trust him? How about when they're lying on you, can you trust him? They lied on Jesus, and God still has them sitting right at his right hand. So no matter what, we can trust God. No matter what they did to us, God got us out of it. And you put your hand over your chest, and your heart is going. That made you okay. God brought you through it. Okay. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Keep going. So wait a minute. Before you started being obedient in one area of your life, God had already prepared it. So beforehand, before you started walking in righteousness, God had already prepared it. So no matter what, God is going to lead you to what he's already done. Go ahead and say it's done. That's what you got to believe. It's done. Every problem that it hits you, solution's already done. We ought to have a hallelujah good time when problems hit our life. Because you know God is going to show up. And I'll tell you this right now. Every time something hits your life, God has shown up every time. You got a good resume. They ought to be calling you Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Hallelujah. Because you can't stop praising him. All right. Go back. Let's go back to 10. We, oh, shoot. Man. We're going to finish right here. But next week, we're going to come back and finish out chapter number 10. There's, there's some powerful stuff here. 
that I believe God is going to ignite your faith. Because that's, that's what we say we have faith. 